Welcome to United Against Silence. I'm Seema Reza, the CEO of Community Building Artworks, a nonprofit organization that connects veterans, healthcare workers, and civilians through workshops led by the artists of our time. Each week, we interview an artist to find out about their process and how they've overcome silence in their lives. Barbie Shaw's favorite art practices are her sparkly eyeshadow, raucous laughter, understatement, and seeking justice. She won the inaugural Sony South Asian Social Service Excellence Award for her leadership fighting violence against women. Her new book, Miracle Marks, explores women, the sacred, and gender and racial equity. Terrain Tracks, her debut poetry collection on migration and belonging, won the Many Voices Project Prize. Find more at Burvy Poets. And all of this will be in the show notes. Um, welcome. Thank you for being you. here. I'm such a huge fan of you as a person. Um, we met at, at AWP through Fessel, and I just like to hang out with you whenever yeah. the chance is possible. Um, and We'll talk about your work a little bit later, but I wanted to sort of talk to you about your philosophy on community. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there's something really extraordinary about the way that you pull people in mm -hmm. and draw them together. Um, it's so kind and generous. Have you always been this way? Have you just been a person who's like, since you were a kid? Is this just who you are or? That's so lovely. Um, no, I, I mean, I think um, I definitely have that sense of like attunement and, you know, I loved meeting you and just had that sense of like, oh, good energy, right? And so it's always a delight to be around you. And I do love building community, but it is, a practice that has grown over time. I was actually very shy growing up. Um, I am an immigrant too. I was born in India, came over very young. So, you know, mostly grew up in the States, but grew up a lot in the South and um, mm. in a number of places where there weren't that many brown people. Um, and so I was painfully shy growing up. And so my mom says, actually, I moved to New York and New York made me a loud mouth. So <laughs> I think that is partly, you know, being like in that kind of arena and being in a space where there are a lot more South Asian folks. You know, I really got to practice building community through community organizing um, through my time at Saki for South Asian mm -hmm. Women. And I'm so grateful. It really transformed my life. I started as a volunteer in the 90s and then I was on the board of directors and then we had a leadership transition and I was coaxed and beguiled into serving as the interim director and I thought, oh, I'll do this for six months. I was supposed to be finishing a dissertation, um, which never got finished, but I did stay in the job for um, about seven and a half years and just loved it. And, you know, got to do things like organize a community mela um, in Richmond Hill, Queens. And um, I think one thing I do love, and I feel like this is like poetry in a way too, it's like a poetry and practice, which is, mm. um, I love bringing ideas and people and beings together because it's sort of like my way of creating a symphony. Um, 
I don't really have that much like musical talent, um, though I try now and then. Um, and I so wish I could sing. But I think for me, like the way I can, you know, try to tune people together is like my way of creating that kind of symphony. That's so beautiful. And, and the work that the organization does is around violence against women. That's right. So it's really like serious work. And, you know, I haven't worked at Saki since 2009, but I still do consult around issues of intimate violence and also racial equity. And, you know, it's work um, that is about like, as you know, some of the most difficult pieces of people's lives. Um, and it's also the space where I think we want to reclaim connection. We want to reclaim that intimacy is possible, that relationship is possible. And again, in a healthy way, not just every relationship, just, right. you know, like relationship can be healthy, can be beautiful. And so I think that's the counterpart. It's like, you know, not just saying, oh, there's no excuse for abuse, but actually saying like, you can have healthy relationships and let's make this possible. Let's make it possible in community. Yes, so beautiful. Um, and so, you know, being a, a person who has yeah. survived um, yeah. some of that stuff, I think one of the key features of it is isolation, right? Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, being told again and again that you don't belong in a community, you nobody yeah. knows you and loves you. And like, if they knew you and all of those things that really isolate one. And, um, you know, this, our collective of, of facilitators are called the United Against Silence Collective. And that's the name of this Lovely. podcast. And the idea being, of course, that systems of abuse even the ones that we create for ourselves require silence, thrive in mm -hmm. silence. Um, and that when we speak these things and we say, hey, this hurts, I'm hurting, I'm being hurt, um, suddenly it begins to fracture, mm -hmm. right? The dome, the dome that's been placed over you begins to, to crack. Um, and so much of your work your poetry, your work on the page seems to like bridge different cultures and different, you know, you'll put like news items as your epigraph and then we'll reach into Hindu mythology in the, mm -hmm. the, in the poem and you, you do this thing that's really braided. Um, mm -hmm. And I'd love if you could just like, Talk about how that happens. Do you have the epigraph first or do you have the poem first? Or like, how does that, that sort of mesh occur in your work? And it's okay if you're like, oh, there's no one answer. That's fine too. <laughs> That's a great question. That is a great question. Um, and first I just want to say Seema, thank you for like sharing part of your journey and also the way that you weave community together in everything you do. I think again, is a testimony that um, one experience doesn't define our lives. And that also, um, yeah, you have so much like generosity to offer. Um, so thank you for modeling that. Thank you. Um, 
And I feel like the braiding question is sort of, you know, again, it reminds me of your work in many ways, in a sense that you like take these really dark moments <laughs> and create something magical out of it. And so I think as poets, we're often braiding things like, you know, this dissonance. Mm -hmm. um, and I think for me, part of the braiding is definitely like, um, part of the condition of immigration, right? Like how do you weave in English language, right? Like, which is actually my second language, but my best language um, at this point. Um, how do you weave in this language, like a whole sense of a world that is not yours in the same way? Um, so I think in some ways that's one of the seeds of the braiding. Um, mm. And then there is the um, piece of, you know, oftentimes for me, the poem like comes from a line or an image or in some ways, a lot of my poems are, um, I, I call them a kind of science because they're observing the world and then feeling through that and how to kind of have other people feel through that as well. And so like they might be, the seed might be a news item or a story or a thing that happened, but then um, the poem for me is driven like from like the feeling or the language or an image. Um, and it's funny because they often do refer to different things that have happened, um, but sometimes I'll add in the epigraphs later um, and they'll be sort of like an anchor point. Yeah. Um, I realize like, you know, that sometimes the worlds that I was like depicting in all of these poems um, were like so well known to me, but they're not necessarily so known to other people. So in some ways the epigraphs like became both like an anchor for me, like how to like, you know, where you have that moment where you're just like, I cannot finish this poem, like it will not end, like okay. <laughs> close it. And then I realized, oh, okay, like let me anchor it in something. And that will also help me like, close this poem in a way like yeah. Um, so yeah so it was both like giving people a bridge to enter and sort of walk into the poem and then also for me a way to walk out of the poem mm, yeah walking out of the poem is so 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 essential if you're going to create another poem or exactly. <laughs> you know like just um, exactly, because you could you, you could revise for the rest of your life the same like sentence, you know. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I definitely will read something from something published. Yes, as I'm like, I'm like, no, exactly. no, 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 that doesn't make sense anymore. Exactly, um, because you change, right. and especially when you're writing stuff that's really relevant in the moment. And yeah. I, the news is moving so fast, right? It's yeah. moving and what's in pe the public consciousness, the public attention span seems so yeah. super short that um, I think that anchoring is so, so, so useful. Like, oh, this is where this, what, what was happening. Because the time between when you're scribbling it on your page at like stoplights and um, it's out in the world is, is usually quite long. There's a yeah. lag. That's so true. And I think, you know, in the kind of vein of like the workshop today, in terms of thinking about time, it becomes a time marker. Um, and also as you're, like a moment in time, the passage of time from that moment, um, what might've changed or what might not have changed um, in so many of these difficult issues around violence. Mm -hmm. um, and I think also for me, there's a way in which 
um, like, you know, what you said about we change, right? As, you know, people. And so of course our poems change. Um, and sometimes I look back, you know, my first book, one third of it was written when I was in college and, um, and I could never write those poems again, right? In that same way. And it made me realize like, there is a wisdom to every era. Um, mm. And, you know, that is really beautiful. Like, um, you know, again, like I think I do things technically or I feel a different comfort in terms of playing with craft or a different sense of like how language can move. And, you know, sometimes I go back to the poems I wrote when I was younger and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe, you know. And then other times I'm like, wow, like this was actually really good. And I could, I, who came up with these lines? And <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of that. Yeah, just that wisdom happens at any age. Yeah, that's such a generous way because I think there's like a, a sort of feeling like, oh, we look at our past selves usually with like, less forgiveness than we should yeah. um, but that's a really like yeah there was a wisdom there was a time and there was a place and there was a that poem needed to be written by that version exactly you and no one else could have written it not exactly. even another version of you that's right I love that uh what rituals do you have do you have any rituals for how you enter into your creative space like how you get yourself ready to write well you know it's so funny that um Hari is going to do a divination um mm -hmm. workshop at some point because my um morning ritual which is semi-secret but not secret anymore clearly is um <laughs> I, have, I have my desi coffee which is all milk and you know, <laughs> <laughs> and then I sit and basically journal um, and also do a tarot reading. Um, and so that like grounds my day. It's like a meditative kind of entry to the day. And so um, that helps me, whether it's a day that I get to like write a lot or not, it, that just that morning journal writing is so um, useful and yeah, helps just to anchor my day. Do you have a, like a, do you use the tarot cards um, as the prompt or? Not, not, necessarily. not necessarily. I think it's more just like for kind of like the placement of the day in a sense. Like it really is just like a meditation. Um, and then, you know, it may come in later as I'm thinking about writing, but it may not. It may just be again, um, just the practice of being. Yeah. Yeah, this sort of, um, I was talking to Christina maybe last week or, the, or, or a couple of weeks ago, um, who's just, she's just such a gift. And we were sort of talking about the other kind of silence, right? There's a silence that's imposed on us. Yes, yes. And then there's the silence that we almost have to fight and intentionally grab so that we can hear ourselves. Mm. Um, yeah. And yeah. it's not like you make space for that on a daily basis, which is awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's always a challenge, but I think that's it, right? It's like um, art doesn't follow the pace of capitalism, right? No. And so when we, you know, and I, 
you see it so much nowadays, especially with social media. What you said earlier is like people are constantly shoving information. And, you know, some of it is, again, delightful in terms of it can be community building. Mm -hmm. It can really make connections like, you know, what's like, again, delightful is having like writers and poets from around the world, you know, like from South Asia who are reading your work and you're reading theirs. And again, those connections are amazing. But yeah, how do you um, really like tune into yourself? How do you tune into struggle? How do you tune into connection? And it's hard to do that if you're constantly thinking about like, oh, this news story is happening 24 hour news cycle or, you know, oh, this person is saying this on social media. And so, yeah. And I mean, for me too, last year, um, I worked a lot, you know, as a consultant, I was nervous about like, how much work am I going to get? How am I not going to get? And I worked too much and it really diminished my creative life. And so this year I was like, okay, I'm going to work less. Um, and so it's a balance. It's always a journey and a struggle, but um, I do feel like that reward of momentum when, you know, I think whatever your conditions are, you can create, but the gift is that when you have more time, that creation becomes more like a river or a waterfall. Mm. And it doesn't feel to me, I've definitely had moments in time where it just feels like I'm like cutting stone and trying to get something out. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, when I feel that spaciousness where I can be like, even for five minutes and it feels more like a river. Mm. Yeah, I hope everyone gets that kind of gift of just, even like 10 to 15 minutes a day to be able to like dwell. Yeah. And it's a gift that you can only give yourself, right? Mm -hmm. There's always like, there's always somebody posting something new. There's, oh, you know, like there's always a way to fill your brain with other thoughts. Um, sometimes, and, and for me, I feel like sometimes it's so that I can avoid my own shit. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. And good on you. Sometimes stuff needs to be avoided. You know, like it's, I mean, again, there's no judgment there. And, you know, I think, but that's, that is part of the creative impulse to me too, right? Is like to actually look things in the face, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, again, we started this conversation talking about violence and something so serious, which is, you know, people often don't want to look it in the face. And that's what we can do as artists. Um, but we need that space to do that. We need that care and comfort. And, you know, yes, we can gift ourselves time. But I, again, I really return to community because it's in that space, writing is hard, especially writing about hard things. Mm -hmm. and it's in that space of community where somebody can cheer you on or be like, oh, I want to read that or I'm excited for that or just to even share process like this, you know, or to know that people are in conversation. Um, all of that is so nourishing. So I think it's, you know, like our writing is also like a plant and we are like plants. We need like to be watered and nourished. And like when our little work gets out in the world, we want to see those blooms held by people. And um, I think all of that, you know, again, is just so natural and makes sense and really is like the reward of community.
Thank you so much for listening to United Against Silence. I'm Seema Reza, and I hope we see you at a workshop soon. You can see our full schedule at www.cbaw.org. We're looking forward to being in community with you.